Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. This week's focus is on small colleges and their coaches. Unfortunately, they don't get enough recognition throughout the world of college basketball. So hopefully this week we're able to shine a light on some great programs. Today's guest is just down the road from me. I live in Spokane. They're down in Lewiston, Idaho. LC State's head coach, Austin Johnson. Coach, thanks for joining. Hopefully you're excited with the season right around the corner. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. It's uh, everybody's undefeated. So everyone's going to play 40 minutes a game. So everyone's happy right now this time of year. Yes, everyone is excited as a player because you're thinking you've got minutes to be earned as coaches. As you said, you are 0-0 on the season. Well, let's get right into your non-conference season. We talked off camera before we hit the record button. You like to challenge your team in the non-conference. Um, you have as big a challenge as there is in the non-conference because you play Gonzaga. Tell me how that game comes about on your schedule because I know you guys have played them in the last couple of years in the non-conference as well. Yeah, just obviously very fortunate and grateful to get that game. And um, it's more about them reaching out to us. And so um, we try to find as many Division One games as possible, which has been really challenging over the years. Um, I think division ones are moving more towards private scrimmages than the traditional exhibitions that, you know, they had in the past. And so, and um, we've been swinging and missing on pretty much every Northwest and West coast division one. We've even offered, you know, to play for free. You don't got to give us a guarantee. We'll come play. And so swinging and missing, and then, um, you know, have a little bit of a connection with GU just from a relationship standpoint. And they uh, kind of hit us up out of the blue uh, late summer. Um, about playing and uh was definitely not going to say no to that and uh so that's going to be a great experience for our players um it's probably gonna be more fun for our players than for us coaches um but it'll be great for them and again i mean everyone wants to play against the, the best possible and there's no better better challenge uh over the past you know decade uh than than playing gu what do you learn from your team, maybe both collectively as a group, but also individually, um, both in your prep, the couple days leading up to it, your shoot around as well as then after looking at film and kind of grading out the game? Yeah, I think every program is different too. I mean, I know you and I had talked before we played them last time and, you know, we go in, we're going to play GU like we would play anybody else which I realize kind of sounds you know we're not going to change what we do just because we're playing Gonzaga uh, not to be negative or dismissive I don't think it would matter much how many hoops we jump through in terms of changing to prepare for GU and so we want to do what we do and any success you can have in that 
against a team like Gonzaga, when you watch film, you're going to be able to point to that and say, Hey, like, you know, here's, here's 10 possessions where we defended pretty well, or here, here's 10 possessions where we execute our stuff. And if we can do that against GU, then we should be able to do that against, you know, teams, um, you know, non-division one teams. And so uh, the prep way more just, you know, obviously personnel, but most of our guys know who, you know, who GU has. And so um, any positives you can take out of that uh, are good. And I think too, like, no matter who you're playing, you want to, you want to be the team that plays the hardest. And so that's kind of the challenge. And again, that's, that can be hard to, hard to quantify, hard to, to gauge, but um, we want to be, when, when people watch us play GU, regardless of what the final score is, we want people to say, Hey, LC state played harder. Now that's obviously going to be a challenge because of how good GU is, but um, we, we want that. We want to have that happen. And the last time it was like 18 to 13 coming out of the first media and uh, we've been able to execute a couple of things. We had some forwards who could shoot and space the floor. And then they slapped on a press with Anton Watson up top and our, our PG was five, nine. And I think that thing went from 18 to 13 to about like 41 to 13, like faster than I would like to admit, but, um, but it's a great experience. Cause again, any, any success you can have against them, that's going to be something to build on. And then obviously like we're, we're in the people business, obviously basketball matters and you want to win, but ultimately I'm a coach because of the people. And so we're a people business and any memory, any special memories and moments you can give your players. Um, that's what you want to do. And, and that's, it doesn't get much bigger and better than that. And um, yeah. So our guys are obviously looking forward to it, but also having that balance of you can go get blown out by GU if that happens and still have a great season and accomplish everything that you want to accomplish. Well, you guys have put together some tremendous seasons. You're heading into your fourth year. I believe over the first three seasons, you guys are 81 and 12. You're back-to-back coach of the year at the NAI level. Where do you credit a lot of your success and your program success? Uh, players. Um, you know, I took over for Brandon Renta, and, and he left uh, a program that was on really solid ground. And um, we're definitely different people. We were definitely different uh, coaches and different, you know, personalities. But um, – having having worked for for him and helping him build it back up that so this program means a lot to me especially because I went away and then came back and that's not everyone kind of goes through that um so you know I inherited a good healthy program from from coach Renta and then uh player and players and player buy-in I can't stress enough the the player buy-in piece um obviously if you do what we've done the last three years you have to have talented players um, but I also don't think we're necessarily like the cream of the crop talent necessarily. Um, it's just toughness, togetherness and, and getting guys to buy in. And uh, obviously, you know, great players and great assistant coaches and a good administration can take you uh, a long, long way as a coach. So lots of coaches at multiple levels say I need players. Well, a lot of times at the high school level and the AAU level, players kind of get this d1 or bust mantra but as i've gotten to to know college coaches like yourself at at many different levels there are some tremendous players at the naia the division three level that don't get blinded by the lights and find the right fit for them give us an example of guys in your program maybe that found the right fit are having tremendous success at your level that can maybe be at the division one level yeah, so there's there's a few examples. I think the one that pops out um, to a little, a little bit, I mean, you can't use him as a, the, the stereotypical example, but it's Jake Wiley. I mean, Jake Wiley obviously started at Montana, but 
you know, he's an LC alum. He played here for two years. And right after he played here, he was a big sky player of the year. He's the last NAI player to play in the NBA, but guys like Tristan Bradley, who was a senior for us last year. Um, he's a local kid. He's from Lewis. And I think that had a big reason why he, he stayed here. But uh, at the end of the season with everyone getting their COVID year, we had probably 10 or 11 division one schools reach out to see if he'd be interested in grad transferring with that extra COVID year. And, you know, the last time we played Idaho, we won by 15 and Tristan Bradley had 28 and 12. And that guy's a division one basketball player. Uh, a lot of it, as you know, is, is, is timing. I think, I think timing impacts all of our careers more than some of us might want to admit for, for better or for worse. And then um, you got to look the part, right? And some, some of our guys, yeah, you know, they might be 5'10 instead of 6'2 or they might be you know, 215 pounds instead of that 230 we need them to be. And so um, I think, you know, we have, there's, there's phenomenal talent at this level at the, the non-division one level. Um, uh, and the guys who we tell recruits this too, the guys who aren't so hung up in level are the guys who are gonna have the best experience. Because if you come here and in your back of your mind, Oh, I, I should be, at the, I should be doing this, or I should be at this place. Like you'll, you'll actually, you'll actually get eaten alive at our level because there's enough guys who are be who've moved beyond that are just focused on making this the best experience they can and you know not to disparage any programs but i spent two years coaching the division one level and just because you're division one doesn't mean it's a great experience uh just because you're division one doesn't mean you know you're gonna have great relationships on on your team or with your coaches um and i think winning impact experience as much as anything else. Uh, we talk all the time. I mean, if you're on a, you know, if you're at a, if you're at a quote unquote high level school, but you, but you barely ever win, you're not going to, it's not going to get, e it's not easier to roll out of bed because you have division one next to your name. Right. And then we talk to guys about that too. And um, you're familiar enough with different levels of basketball. I think it kind of goes to the same thing with the coaches. I mean, I've, we've, we've competed and recruited against division ones. I've been to the division one level there's some phenomenal division one coaches and you know what, there's some phenomenal guys who aren't division one, whether that's timing or whether that's choice. Um, and so, and I had talked to a recruit two weeks ago and obviously, you know, every high school kid wants to play at the highest level and we respect that. And we talk about that a little bit openly with recruits, but we're not going to compromise your basketball career because we're not division one. Um, I'm not going to coach you. I'm going to coach you and challenge you the same way, whether I'm at LC state or I'm at Boise state or I'm at Gonzaga, like you're not going to get your, you're not going to go through your experience at LC state and say, man, like, you know, this is so laid back and so easy because I'm not at the quote unquote highest level. No, you're going to, you're going to have to scratch and claw and fight to have the best experience. And that's what, that's what your mind is going to be on. And so, um, there's so many good players. And I think a lot of times we get, you know, that guy who might be a little bit more skilled, but not quite physically, you know, he doesn't pop out maybe as much as the guys who are getting the division one scholarships. And, you know, I, I also think we live in a world, we try to be honest with our players too. Like even with COVID division ones and, and high level schools have been able to watch you play. You know, uh, whether it's uh, most people still had some level of a high school season, most people still were able to play AU this past year. So, you know, the excuse I think that you get like 10 years ago, like, oh, I just haven't been seen. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, if, for example, Kamaka Hepa, I mean, you know who that is. Like, that guy was from like basically the North Pole and he's he playing high major basketball. Um, 
and that's just one example. I mean, there's if, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. People get paid a lot of money to get players, as you said. And so um, we, we try to be honest with our recruits, too, about like, you know, obviously, you know, we're never going to root a kid, root against a kid who wants to go division one. But do you want to be someone's 15th choice? Because if you're someone's 15th choice, just to be honest, you're going to be treated like their 15th choice. And then eight months later, you're going to be in the transfer portal. And, you know, it works out for some guys. It doesn't work out for everybody. And so it's, it's super cheesy and cliche, but he's going where you wanted. I, I think, you know, none of our guys, we had six seniors last year. None of those six seniors, we, when we played the national championship game, would have played anywhere else. And I've asked, you know, I asked our, our guy, Tristan Bradley, who had the option to, to move on. To, I mean, he's married and got a good job, so he's done with basketball. But he could have moved on and played, you know, um, Division One and, and really played. Like, I had Division One coaches that were bummed that he wasn't playing. But I asked Tristan, I go, hey, do you think he would have had more fun and a better experience at a Division One school, you know, because he's familiar enough. We played enough Division Ones, and he was like, no. He's like, we played for a national championship, which is what everyone wants to do, and we got to do it with great people. And I got, I got no regrets about trying to, you know, test the waters or wishing I would have gone, you know, a different route. And so, um, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of where, I mean, that's a long winding answer to, you know, kids that commit at the non-division one level. Um, but you and I both know there's, you know, there's guys who've chased that division one thing so much that it's almost an idol at the expense of their experience. You know, they're on their fourth, fifth, sixth school and, that's great. And again, that's what you want to do. That's great. I'm not, but like, what kind of experience do you want? And for the most, and I tell guys too, and, and you know, this, obviously you're very successful. You played in the NBA, but most people, like I couldn't tell you who was on GU's team four or five years ago. Right. Like yeah. in, and, 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 and these, that's why I try to communicate to these guys. Like, Hey, if you play in the NBA, like, and you go to the grocery store, people probably know who you are, but it's not like because you went to a such and such a school, you played in the Pac-12 or the Big West or the Big Sky that like your life is just paved the rest of your life and you don't got to work hard or that people are just going to like, no one really cares, right? I mean, again, yeah, playing in the NBA is a, is a different beast, but when you're 30 or you're 40 or you're 45, if the best thing you can say about yourself is you played college basketball, well, you're probably not a great husband. You're probably not a great father. You're probably not a great, you know, employee. And so... I don't think that just the, the the tag of playing division one necessarily just makes you a, a better person by any regard. And so, yeah, trying to get guys who have kind of moved on from the bells and whistles of uh, and the sexiness of division one that, that want to go somewhere where they're going to be pushed. And it's hard to be pushed if your coaches don't really know what your game is. And again, if you're that, if you're the 10th on their list of shooting guards and they swung and missed on the first nine, how well do they know your game? How well do they know your, your your competitive mindset? And so those are things we try to talk about with recruits and also kind of talk about as the staff as we, as we go through the recruiting process as well. That's a great way of, of prioritizing how you guys as a staff look at it and prioritizing hopefully how student athletes and their parents look at it. Has there been a, a big issue with player movement and the transfer portal at the NAI level like there has been at others? Um, you know, I think obviously there there's there's you're always going to do what you think is best for yourself and that's that's true at any level professional on down right um but not not quite the same i mean you know when you're at the division one level you got 13 full ride scholarships you know we don't have that many scholarships we don't have a ton of guys on you know full ride scholarships and so i think 
there's a little bit to some degree, a little bit more investment. Um, that sounds holier than thou. That's not what I'm talking about though. I think there's a little bit more like, Hey, I'm, this is where I'm at. This is, you know, um, obviously, Hey, if, you know, a mid-major were to call him or something like that out of the blue and offer him a scholarship, that's a different deal. But for the most part, I think, um, once guys step on campus, they, they value the experience they have here. And so, um, there's transfers obviously across the landscape, but I don't think it's quite as much at the NAI level. Um, in terms of going NAI to NAI, I know that there's, you know, obviously with guys like Jake Wiley and it still happens, there's, you know, division two guys and NAI guys that are going division one because they're really good. And, and division one coaches are starting to see that, um, as a path, almost like junior college in some ways. And so, um, there is transferring, but it's, it's not like, I mean, when you go to verbal commits and there's 1800 transfers to division one level alone, like it's, it's not, it's not like that at all. Um, at least not yet. Yeah. So you've spent time at LC state, moved on, came back. So you've got a lot of experience, uh, at the NAI level. You guys were a season ago in the title game, as you mentioned, but NAI has had some transformations over the last couple of years. There used to be division one, division two, within the NAI. And I think that created a lot of confusion probably for the average fan. It's now just one level. Share with us the impact that that has had, uh, as well as maybe the excitement that it's a true national title game at that level. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was, it was overdue in some ways to go back to one division. That's what it had been for a long time historically. And I think I want to say for 25 or 30 years, it was split up into two and no question that can be, confusing um you know i'm from the midwest and there's a way more nais in the midwest than there are on the west coast and so when you're on the west coast and you know nai one or nai two and it's just it's it's really hard to wrap you know people for if you're not for the average person it's kind of hard to wrap their head around that and so um having it all go to one, one division uh, makes it way more competitive it's gonna be a lot harder to go to the national tournament it's gonna be a lot harder to in some ways even win your conference and so it makes it even more competitive than it already was. And um, the reality is, you know, NI division twos were just every bit as good as NI division ones. You know, there were some discrepancies scholarship wise, but the, I mean, the NI division two league that we're in now, the Cascade Conference with College of Idaho and Oregon Tech and um, those schools, I mean, those are really good basketball programs, tradition rich, you know, that have won national titles. And so having to go one division, I think is, uh, is again, I think is, the best thing for the NAI brand. Uh, I think it's easier to communicate that to recruits and parents without, I mean, we don't need any more confusion in the world of college basketball. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. Uh, the national tournament, you know, the sweet 16 is in Kansas city and it's so 64 teams. There's opening round host sites, similar to division two, and then they take the final 16 to Kansas city. And so, um, making it to Kansas city to me is a life-changing experience for a student athlete, just like it would be, you know, when you, um, and it's, it's especially playing in the Memorial auditorium, which, um, the Wilt Chamberlain and played with, you know, in a final four there with KU. And so a lot of history and, and tradition. And so it's just, it makes it harder to get there, but I think it helps us on the national level, have a little bit more like understanding of, of our situation. So you're coming off a national title game uh, a season ago. You've got a great non-conference, including a game against uh, Gonzaga in Spokane early in the season. Give us an outlook for your basketball team this upcoming season. Man, 
I wish I had a crystal ball because this is my <laughs> sixty. This is my sixth year as a head coach, and this is probably the most um, not unconfident, if that's a word, but most. I I, I don't know. We uh, you know, we had six seniors last year, and only one of them chose to use the COVID year to come back. Uh, of those five seniors that moved on, they had their degrees. Three of them were married. One of them had kids, and just it just made sense. And and we played a national title, so it wasn't like, I mean we always preach our kids more life than basketball. So it's somewhat disingenuous for me to turn around and be like, Hey, come back uh, again, selfishly, that'd have been awesome for me. But um, so we only returned one. Uh, we only, uh, you know, we only really, really returned four guys that played any sort of meaningful minutes last year. We lost almost 70% of our scoring and 70% of our minutes played. And so we signed a couple uh, transfers, uh, but are mostly going to try and go, try and go four year guys. Um, and so it's going to be, you know, we're going to be young. It's going to be unique because we're going to be pretty young. Whereas everybody else, not only like they, they bring their seniors from last year back. So we're going to be super young because we're going to be playing against a bunch of, you know, fifth and sixth year seniors. And so that's going to be really interesting is how much does the lack of our lack of experience impact our season? And, and can we kind of move beyond that um but our league our league is loaded as it always is but it's even better because you had guys who normally would be would have graduated and they're coming back and we we don't have that uh, at lc but from a personal standpoint I'm really, i think it's going to be an awesome professional challenge um it's going to be a big time learning year for me too and when i say that i don't mean that i don't think we can be competitive like we want to win a championship every year at lc state um, but it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting year. And, and I think that's across the board at all levels of basketball is those, those teams that bring back a ton of players on paper, you should be, you know, top of the league, but you also are going to have to manage a lot differently than you probably have historically, because all these guys coming back, they're coming back, not just because they didn't want to grow up, they come back because they want to want to, you know, win a championship or they want to, you know, have something out of it from their personal career. And so you got to, as a coach, you're gonna have to manage a lot of that. And I think that'll be an interesting thing to, to view as well. You know, I know you're a very team oriented coach. You don't like to spotlight individuals, but uh, you do have one player on your team that, that people with Northwest ties as well as ties for basketball across the country are going to recognize the name. And that's Sam Stockton. Uh, when I still play occasionally, I would play against him and John, his dad's open gym runs here in Spokane at the warehouse. But um, he's a great young man, comes from a great family. John, one of the best players in the history of the game. What is it like recruiting a player who you probably, I would imagine, grew up watching his dad, who is one of the all-time greats? Yeah, it was it was unique. And then obviously COVID made it untraditional. Um, and, you know, John was very good, pretty hands off, um, but not in like in a discouraging way, just like, hey, like this is, if, you know, if Sam's going to do it, it's got to be Sam making the decision, not his dad, because, you know, Sam's got to live with it. And then uh, COVID hit and, you know, kind of came down to him deciding if he was going to, you know, be a walk on at GU or come to LC State. And, um you know, it's the only time in school history we've beaten out Gonzaga for a player, right? Um, I'm sure. I'm sure Mark Fee was pretty pissed at that. Just kidding. Um, but uh, I, I told Sam, I said, "Look, like you can go. Like obviously, you're gonna be. You're, you're looking at two completely different things, apples and oranges. So if you come to LC, though, you're gonna be. There's gonna be way higher expectation from a standpoint. If you go to GU and you're terror, like, and and they don't think you're gonna have to practice, you're gonna stay on the sideline, and no one's gonna bat an eye. But if you come here, 
and you're not good enough to be in a practice, like we're going to have issues. Or if you come here and you're not focused, or if you come here and you think you can take a day off, like there's going to be a higher, I mean, just because of the situation, like, like if we're going to give you, you know, if we're going to recruit you and give you a roster spot, like it's not because of your last name, it's because we need you to be, to develop into a good basketball player. And if you're not doing that, it doesn't matter what your last name is. And so, um, he thought about it for a little bit, not too long, but he thought about it for a little bit. And ultimately I think he wanted to see if he could be more in the mix in terms of uh, playing time and, and direct, you know, experience. And, um, you know, the Stocktons are late bloomers. So we'll, we'll see down the road what he can become, but he's, he's put in a ton of time and he is, you know, so far he's been one of the best teammates I've ever coached, which I, I don't really know what, you know, we were getting necessarily because COVID and, and he, he sat a year out and stuff. And so, but, I thought he might be a guy who would drive home to Spokane every weekend and hang out with his, you know, his, but man, that guy is the unbelievable teammate camaraderie getting like game night stuff with guys on the road. Like he's been, I mean, he's been phenomenal and uh, our guys don't treat him, you know, obviously any different because they treat him like he deserves to be treated. And that's a, you know, as a, as a big part of our team. And so it's going to be really cool for him, I think, to, to get back to GU and be on the court. He was at the game when we played them two years ago, he was in the student section and Anton Watson was the player of the game. And so Sam was telling me how it's kind of surreal. He was in the student section and it was like filming, you know, his buddy Anton playing with his phone and got the final score, you know, at Gonzaga versus LC state. And now this year he's going to be uh, suiting up for LC and, and hopefully get on the court. So it's just a, uh, yeah, really unique and it's cool for the, for Gonzaga kind of basketball history um, to, to, for him to be on the court. You know, obviously David played and uh, played there and, um, so it'd be really cool for Sam and his family, I think. Well, coach, I appreciate all the time. Uh, I'm hopeful and grateful that we get to shine a little bit of light on, on programs like yours with the ISO podcast. And I also look forward to calling that game when you guys are at GU uh, later on in the non-conference. So thanks again for joining and best of luck throughout this season. Thank you. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.